Welcome, everybody. Glad that you're here. Glad that you're uh, in the room. Glad that you're online. Come on, if you're in the room or you're online with us, uh, uh, we just treat you all the same. Come on. A amen, everybody. Uh, we want everybody in the room that's comfortable being in the room. And if you know, there's still some crazy stuff going on, but we just want everybody uh, 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 in the pocket and doing what we believe God's called them to do. But uh, you that are watching us online, we'll just talk to you for a second. We can't wait to see you again. So come on, one more time. Let's just say hey to everybody online. Come on, give them a hand clap. Give them a wave. Yeah. We're in a series of miracles, and I, I just really think that we've kind of hit a chord uh, and really a, a sounding board, if you will, for a lot of us. You know, I, I've been uh, hearing from many people during the week, you know, sending me text messages and even talking live, you know, on Sundays. Uh, are we going to talk again about miracles? Are, are we going to keep going? And, and when do we stop? And are you thinking about stopping? And, and you know, and my, my answer to all that is, we're just going to keep going until we don't need to talk about it anymore. But I, I just really believe that God wants us all to be heightened to this thought that miracles are possible, miracles are happening, and nothing is impossible. L listen, come on, just whatever you're dealing with right now, come on, it, it's pressing on your chest, it's in your mind, come on, it's, it's in you emotionally, in your soul, whatever that is right now, in any realm that you're facing right now, come on, just think about it for a second, and let's just say those words Nothing is impossible. Come on, nothing's impossible. Today, what I'm going to do is something a little bit unusual. I'm a pastor slash teacher, hence the TV, hence the notes. I, I, I'm really, um, I'm a visual learner, and, and I want to get everything to you the best way that I possibly can. It's the best way that I learn, by seeing, by writing, by reading, by going over it and over it and over it. That's why we want you to get it on the TV and on you know, all, all kinds of ways like this. But I'm going to do something a little bit different today. We're going to have less scriptures on here and me just talking to you for a while. I'm probably not going to talk to you real long, I don't think, but um, uh, it might make you nervous. And so let me just throw that out there from the start. Um, today I want to talk to you about a miracle I think that a lot of us need to see. And the miracle that I want to hit home today is I want to hit home that we all need miracles, a lot of us, in our marriages and in our families. And when we talk about, if you're single, um, you're going to be able to apply this, I hope. Uh, we're really going to be talking about this dynamic from an Old Testament passage of Scripture that maybe you've never heard before, from an Old Testament prophet named Hosea. Maybe you've never read the book. Uh, about the first three chapters will take you about five, six, seven minutes to read, really. And that's all we're going to go today talking about it. But it's about 12 or 13 chapters long. But I, I just want you to know today that God loves marriages. He's a proponent. He, he, marriage started with God, not with man. God loves marriages. God loves your family. Regardless if right now your family's broken, your marriage is shattered, your kids are distant. If you're in a disruptive environment with your family, um, again, I, I want you to, 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 to look at your own life in, in whatever realm you are, um, married, divorced, single. But the, the word that we're going to read today will we'll specifically talk about marriages. But I want you to be able to apply this word to wherever you are living right now. Um, God wants marriages to be healed. God wants families to be restored. 
We see that over and over and over in the Bible. That's his heart, what, what, what he made and how he designed it. It's supposed to work. We know there's all kinds of extenuating circumstances that come into marriages and families and dynamics and, and uh, split families and blended families coming together and, and kids and all kinds of things that, that can kind of throw a wrench in our lives, if you will. But at the end of the day, as Brittany said about this foundation that will stand, is that we have to make up our mind that, that we're just going to do things the way God says to do things. We're, we're, we're going to trust God and we're going to believe God no matter what it looks like right now. I, I, I want our faith to rise that God can still work a miracle in our marriage, come on everybody, and in our family. Can I get an amen in the room? The, the first miracle we said last week or the week before that Jesus ever performed was at a marriage in John chapter 2. He turned the water into wine. God loves marriages. We see that Jesus actually healed Jairus' daughter, uh, uh, dead. Uh, uh, that, that's a pretty notable healing. Uh, we, we see that there was a woman who wasn't even in covenant with God, and, 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 and Jesus uh, healed this daughter that was demon-possessed. We see that there's uh, two sisters, Mary and Martha, whose brother's been sick for evidently a while, and, and they ask Jesus to come and to, and to heal their brother. And, and Jesus waits a while, and, and then he dies, but he raises him from the dead. Over and over and over, we see in the Scripture where God is very concerned with the marriage relationship. He's very concerned with the houses. He's very concerned with families being restored and being saved and being healed and being provided for. It's over and over and over in the Scriptures. But here's what I know. The toughest miracles to believe for are the ones that hit close home to you and me. It's so easy for me when you come up to me after church and people do all the time, hey, pray for me with my family. Listen, I'll pray a hellfire brimstone, bring the presence of God down prayer. Come on, somebody. But then sometimes when you go home and you look at your own marriage or you look at your own kids, you're not quite so bold because you have skin in the game. Because you know all the stuff. You know the skeletons in the closet. You know all the hurt and all the pain and all the fear, all the frustrations. You know how many times those kids came home late all jacked up. You know how many times maybe your wife came or, and, and, or guy came, your husband came home, and you don't know where he's been. All that stuff will mess us up if we don't have our eyes focused on God and focused on the possibility that God can still restore and work a miracle in our homes. Come on, everybody. Man, we, got, we know details, right? I know details about all this stuff. And so you don't know, but, but, but God knows. The Old Testament passage of Scripture we're going to talk about today is from the book of Hosea. Hosea is a prophet and, and holds a chair. God tells Hosea to marry a prostitute. Go and find a prostitute to marry. Because this is what prophetically he said is happening in the nation of Israel. The people, the nation has left me and has joined themselves to another lover, not me. They're worshiping false gods. 
Their heart's directed towards the world and not towards me. So God tells this prophet, I'm going to use you as a billboard to what's really going on in the nation. So Hosea marries a prostitute by the name of Gomer. And they actually have kids together. And theologians, not everybody agrees with this, and the scripture's not quite totally clear on this, but most believe the three kids that Gomer bore were not from Hosea and Gomer's relationship. So, you're a prophet. You're the man of God. You're the woman of God, we could say. And God tells you to do something that's crazy. Now, by the way, if you come to me and say, God told you to do this, we're going to hit you in the face. Because this is something nobody else is going to do. God tells him to do this, showing that God is going to continually pursue the nation of Israel, even though they are not pursuing him. And listen to me, please take this in the heart and the intent of which I'm speaking this from the scriptures, but you have to siphon this, if you will, and filter this through your current situation because I know there's women and men in the room. There are probably children, of adult, adult children of parents in the room or grandparents or other, other relationships in the room that listen to me. Right now, that relationship is irreparable. And God is not asking you to go back in a damning, demeaning, demoralizing relationship. You need to pray. You need to get the mind of God because this is not a blanket statement for every abused woman. Go back to your abuser. It's not what it's saying. The prophetic picture is God showing people, I am never going to quit on you. And even in our heart, I would dare say, in every woman that we've talked to, every man, every, every parent that's got a child that's away, every single one across the board would say, if they would turn, if their heart would be changed, I would welcome them back. This is God's intent. This is God's heart, that we as people have a heart that will continually pursue and believe that God's going to work a restorative work in our families. Can I say amen, amen and amen? Hosea and Gomer, well, I'll say this, Gomer had three children, a boy, a girl, and a boy. The name of the firstborn, as you know, in the Old Testament, a lot of the names they gave were prophetic names. The name that they chose for the firstborn was Jezreel. Jezreel was a fertile land at one time in the nation of Israel. It's where crops were grown. It was known for beauty. It was known for richness. It was known for productivity. But later on, it became the home for sinful kings. And so God tells Hosea, name this first son Jezreel. It, 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 the nation has turned wicked on me. Now, now, it's crazy, think with me now, if you were that son and this was your name, you got a lot to overcome. 
They had a girl. The second child was a girl, and her name that they named was Lo-Ruham. Ruham in the Hebrew means God's tender mercy. But the prefix lo before Ruham means no mercy or no pity. It signifies that God has now withdrawn mercy, God's withdrawn pity from you nation. Again, this was a prophetic picture about what was going on in the nation. And the third child that they gave was a son. And this son's name was Loami. Again, this was what they said was a, what one uh, a writer that I read after said this was the most uh, demoralizing name of any of the others because Loami actually means not my people. That God is saying, I've rejected the nation of Israel from their sinful state that they're in because they keep abandoning me and right now in their current situation, I have abandoned them. Three of these kids' names. Once you were beautiful, you're not beautiful anymore. Once that you, you gave me tender mercy, I had tender mercy towards you, I've got no tender mercy or pity towards you anymore, or husband or wife. Once you were, you, you, you were my people, you, you, you're bone of my bones, you're flesh in my flesh, I birthed you, I, uh, you, you have my DNA in you, but, but you're not mine anymore. I, I put a ring on your finger and, and, and we made love before, pardon me, and, and we had a great couple of years, but no more. All of this stuff is hitting the people of God because God is saying, I'm done with you. I'm done with you. Hosea, as a prophet, I can't imagine what was going on in his life as God tells him to do this. He's been, we'll read a couple scriptures here in a moment. He's being betrayed by his wife. She keeps running after other men. He's brokenhearted as a father. Again, forgive me if this is too personal, but the kids that are at home keep seeing their mom run off with another guy. Who's coming home tonight? Who, who, who's dad bringing in the house again this week? And as a prophet, again, I can't imagine his reputation smeared. What are they saying at work? What's being said to be on social media? All the while, God is working in his people. God's working in the nation of Israel to let them realize that even in the family dynamic, nothing is impossible. Miracles can still happen. We've seen it time and time again with, with people over the course of years in the church. Um, we've, seen, we've seen marriages, and we've seen kids restored, and we've seen all kinds of phenomenal testimonies. Let me be real with you. We've seen some things that we thought should turn, uh, that, that, that had everything going for them to turn, that just wouldn't turn. It was just whatever was going on was too unforgivable, somebody said, and, and the lines have been crossed too many times, and, and we have always uh, been on the, on the side to say, then that is going to be your decision, but we're going to support everybody in the middle of the decision. We're not making up anybody's mind. 
Everybody's going to have to, like they say, you know, sleep in the own bed they've made. Everybody's going to have to stand before God and give an account of what we've done on the earth. But, but our position is always going to be, we're going to fight for the marriage. We're going to fight for the kids. Come on, we're going to fight for God restoring homes. Can you say amen? Come on, can we get clapped just a little bit better? Yeah. Again, I'm not going to preach real long today because this is kind of heavy, heavy for me. After chapter 1, where, where Hosea tells, tells him to marry this prostitute, and, and the chapter tells us about these three kids that, that she's, she's mothered, she's, she, she's birthed, and, and rejection and continual, he, he, he goes and, and, and he's doing his thing, and he's prophesying, and God's saying, I'm done with the nation. God says something crazy in Hosea chapter 3, verse 1. Check this out. The Lord says to Hosea, go and love your wife again. She's left him time after time after time. Go and love her again, even though she commits adultery with another lover. This will illustrate that the Lord still loves Israel. Even though the people have turned to other gods and love to worship them. The scripture goes on to say in that chapter that Hosea, again, think about how demoralizing this is as this prophet. He actually goes to the man that she was living with and she excuse me, then he, Hosea, pays her, pays, excuse me, pays him money to redeem her back. It's like the man owned her. We would think maybe trafficking right now, but, but he, he owns her. And so God tells Hosea exactly what to pay for her, and he works out a deal and, and brings his wife back to his house and Interesting enough, in the Old Testament, the Old Testament law allows Hosea to punish Gomer, forgive me women, but to punish her because he has ransomed her back as the price of a slave. You're no longer my wife, now you are my slave. But Hosea doesn't punish her, he just buys her back. Listen to me, this is the love of God in action. God is not going to punish you. God is not going to throw you out. He is not going to abandon you for the sin that you've committed or any situation going on in your life. Jesus paid the price for your sin. He is your redeemer. Come on, he is your restorer. He is your reviver. He rescues us out of darkness. So our heart toward everybody, our kids, our spouses, those around, if it's, if, if it's you're at odds with an aunt or an uncle or whatever it is in this family dynamic is that God wants us to continually pursue people with the love of God. Hosea, his name actually means salvation. That's what his name means. 
My name means salvation. So in me, in my DNA, it is to save people. It is to help people. This is the picture of God's grace and his relentless love and his mercy and his kindness and his generosity that he has, that Jesus demonstrated, that now is in every single one of us. So whatever it looks like right now, my prayer is that faith would rise in your heart to say, my marriage is going to change. Come on. My, my, the, the situation with my family dynamic, it's going to change. I'm going to believe God again. I'm going to let hope rise up in my heart again. Man, Hosea, listen, Hosea teaches us that, that even though that Gomer was continually unfaithful, that God would never divorce Israel. Now, 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 now listen to me. I'm not the guy that's going to sit up here and say, you know, if you divorce somebody, you're going to hell. I don't believe that. I believe there's all kinds of reasons why somebody should get divorced. And I believe there's all kinds of reasons why you should fight to stay married. That's not me to decide. That's you to take the word of God and pray and get, get the will of God working in your heart and talk to some wise counsel. But scripturally, we can see God's intent for the marriage, for the family, is that there be a man married to a woman, a husband married to a wife, and that they, have, they procreate and that they have children, and those children are born in the nucleus of this family, and they're raised and they're loved and they're cared for, and they grown come on and then they go do that again that is God's intent and we know now again that there's all kinds of different dynamics that have happened and God can restore every single one of them if we'll believe God come on let's be people that just say I'm gonna believe God I'm going to believe God. It looks dark right now. It looks hopeless right now. It, it looks impossible right now. Ch check this out. L look, look at this now. Here, here's what it says in Hosea chapter 2, verse 23. God says, I will show love to those called not love. So remember, he said, you guys abandoned me. I I'm not going to love you anymore. Uh, you're on your own. But he says, I'm going to show love to those called not loved. And to those I called not my people, I'm going to say, now you are my people. God says, you know, hey, Loemi, you're a prophetic picture. Not, you know, your name means not my people. But God says, I'm going to now call you my people. Evidently, there was a heart change, a heart turn in those people. And God says, I see what they're doing. I see their turn toward me. They're hearing the prophetic word of Hosea and other ministers and during that time, other voices. And their hearts are being directed toward me. And God says, I'm going to restore the family. Listen, if this is God's heart, if this is his intention, this must be our heart and our intention. Man. How did God restore the family to himself? How did he do it? Hosea. What did God ask Hosea to do? God asked him to show love. To show love. Um, if you've ever had an animal, or maybe some of you all have, have gone and, and gone to the uh, uh, the shelter, animal shelters, and, and, and try to pick up a stray or whatever, you'll see so many times you, you reach out your hand to try to show love to the animal. And what's the animal do? Backs off or growls. What, 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 what is causing that? What is causing that reaction? Because in the history of the animal, there's been abuse, there's been neglect, 
There's been pain. There's been beatings. And so that is the reaction. And so God is asking us, not that we're animals, but the emotions are very similar, that in everything across the board, he's asking us, I believe, at this church, in this season, in this series of miracles, that we, concerning our families, concerning our marriages, concerning our kids, grown kids a lot, even at the house maybe, that we would make a decisive decision, I choose to walk in love. Let me read you something from 1 Corinthians chapter 13. These scriptures, if you don't know them, the whole chapter is actually called the love chapter. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the Amplified Bible, in verse 4, it gives us a description of what this love is like. Here's what it says in verse 4. Love endures long. It's patient. It's kind. Love is never envious. It doesn't boil over with jealousy. Love is not boastful or vainglorious. It doesn't display itself haughtily. Love is not conceited, arrogant, or inflated with pride. Love is not rude or unmannerly. Love doesn't act unbecomingly. Love, God's love in us, doesn't insist on its own rights or its own ways, for it's not self-seeking. This love is not touchy or fretful or resentful. This love, check it out, takes no account of the evil done to it. If you don't hear anything else about this this morning, God's love inside me and every believer in the room, his love is in us. We have the capacity to take no account of the evil done to you. Where we don't keep score, we don't keep record, we don't keep remembering the hurt and the pain and the issues that have gone on emotionally in our lives. It doesn't pay attention to a suffered wrong. Wow. It doesn't rejoice in injustice or unrighteousness, but it's going to rejoice when right and truth prevail. Read this with me. Would you do it? Come on. One, two, three, read. Love bears up under anything and everything that comes, is ever ready to believe the best of every person. One more time. Let's look at that. It bears up under anything and everything. I can't handle it anymore. Well, maybe I need to tap into the one who already handled it and allow his love to flow through me. Love bears up under anything and everything that comes and is always ready to believe the best. I'm going to believe the best. I choose to believe the best. I'm not going to believe the worst. I'm going to believe the best. My, my husband's not home. I don't know where he is, but I'm going to believe the best. He must have got a flat tire. Love bears up under anything and everything that comes and is always ready to believe the best of every person. Its hopes are fadeless under all circumstances. And it endures everything. Come on, church. 
everything without weakening. It doesn't diminish. Love never fails, never fades out or becomes obsolete or comes to an end. Never fades out, never comes to an end. Listen, the love that God has put inside your and my heart isn't to be dormant, isn't to be inactive. It's to be activated, listen to me, in the hardest, toughest areas of our soul, which will be probably your marriage and your family. And God is asking us to be like Hosea, where he says, this people was not loved, this people have hurt me, this people have frustrated me, these people have left me, but I'm saying, you're my people again. You're my people again. You're my people again. You're, you're, you're my husband. You're, you're not just the old man. You're just not the girl I'm living with. You're my wife. These kids, man, sometimes I love them. Sometimes I want to choke the life out of them. So I choke them out. Anybody, any parent want to choke, just choke the life out of them. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Your, your kids are two then. Come on. Come wait till they get to be three. You want to choke the life out of them. We might have to edit that out from the message or something right now. It's on the, on the airwaves now. Listen, just because I'm a pastor doesn't mean I haven't had toe-to-toes with my four kids. Because the relationships are the same. A great word here. Listen, winding down, I'm going to read you two more scriptures. In the middle of it all, what I love about the scripture is that God constantly gives us the seed of this situation can change. It, it might look dark. It might look like the earth is flooded, but there's an ark floating. This, it looks terrible, but, but I, I'm going to show you a rainbow. That's never happening again. And the scripture says something amazing in Hosea chapter 2, verse 15. God tells Hosea, and he's prophesied this to the people. Check it out. I will transform her valley of troubles into a door of hope. She, the nation of Israel, will respond to me there. Listen to me. This morning, if you didn't hear anything else, why don't you snapshot that, take a screenshot of that. Let that scripture re resonate in your heart all week that God's going to transform your valley of troubles into a door of hope. That what's troubling you right now, what's, what, 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 what's messing up the relationship with now, that God is going to use that situation as a doorway of hope, a gateway that the trouble will actually move you and it to a place of restorative power in the love of God. Can anybody say amen to that? Come on, can you say amen to that? Valley of troubles transformed into a door of hope. She, he, those kids will respond to me there. 
Kimber and I have seen with our, with our kids specifically that over the course of the years, whenever there was any kind of you know, crazy time or something, Kimberly, uh, Kimberly and I would talk and, and we would come to the same conclusion. God must be just uh, asking us to walk in some more love. That's not my natural response. My natural response is I'm going to choke somebody out right now. <laughs> Rear naked chokehold. Choke you out. But God's asking you to walk in love. And so walking in love for me means don't say what you really want to say. How many know if God just got a hold of your mouth, your life could probably change? Come on, everybody. Come on. Most people's mouths get in so much trouble. It's just walk in love. Walk in love with your mouth. Walk in love with your mouth. Walk in love with your attitude. Walk in love with your actions. Walk in love. Just walk in love. Come on, walk in love. It's in you. Let's stir it up. Paul finishes that chapter in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 13, with a scripture most, most Christians have read before, heard before. And it says this, three things will last forever. Come on, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. Going to last forever. Going to be eternal. When everything's said and done here and heaven's our home forever, guess what? These three things are lasting forever, never going away. Faith, hope, and love. And what God's asking us to do concerning our families is to stir that up if your marriage is tearing apart, holding on by a thread, if your kids are going through all kind of hell and looks like it's, there's no way they could get out of the situation they're in, let's believe God. Let's stand in faith. Let's let, let, let's let hope rise in our heart. And when we see them and we're around them, let's make sure every gesture, every word, every action is just bathed with hope bathed with love, bathed with faith. We're going to believe God. I'm going to trust God that God's working. I'm, I'm going to bless you as much as I can. Now again, please take what I'm saying with boundaries because there's so many people that have been hurt and abused and it's, it's you don't know how many times I've gone. I get it. I'm not asking you to. I'm asking you to ask God, what do you want me to do about this? And whatever he tells you to do, just go ahead and obey. But here's what I'm asking you to do. Stir up faith. Stir up faith that God knows your situation. Just stir up faith. Just, God, you know. I've prayed. I've cried. I, 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 like, like there's a scripture in, in Jeremiah 31. And Jeremiah says, you know, I, I'm done weeping. I'm not going to weep anymore about this situation. My, my, my eyes, I've, I'm refraining from crying anymore. I can't cry anymore about my marriage or about my kids. I can't. And God says this, there's hope for your future. Your kids are going to come back to their border. They're coming home. There's hope. That's what our faith is in, that God knows our situation. And he asks us just to just keep hope alive. It's easy. We can do it. Just keep hope alive. And that's just an expectation that God's really working. I'm going to keep hope alive in my heart. I can't see it. Nothing's changed. They're still doing their thing and they're whatever. But I'm going to trust and expect that you know what's going on. Can I tell you something to do? Listen to me. Pray that God would send laborers across your husband or your wife or your kids. That everywhere they go, 
They just bump into a godly man or a woman or a friend. Come on, they just, there's just a relationship around them everywhere they go. Come on, <laughs> pray for a laborer. You can do that and, and, and let's expect that. And then lastly, just of course, just walk in love. Just never give up. Love endures long. Love never gives up. Love never fades. Love never fails. Fails. It just doesn't fade out. It, it bears up under anything and everything. It's going to just keep believing, keep trusting, keep hoping. Listen to me. You're never going to be sorry you kept believing God. Because you just don't know when somebody can turn. You don't know when somebody can change. So let's be the people that like Hosea, you might be in a difficult situation right now and your family might look like a wreck, but in the middle of it all, God can transform your valley of troubles into a door of hope. Come on, all over the room. Come on, yeah, all over the room, online. Man. You know, honestly, I thought about how to end the service, and I'm just not the guy that wants to make anybody do anything in the sense of stand up, if this is you. And I know there's all kind of applications where it's great. I'm not really good at it because I don't like to be. But all over the room, what I'd ask you to do, let's just do this. Come on, everybody stand up for a minute. You've been sitting for a while. At the house, come on, why don't you stand up as well if you're at your house. Come on, while you're listening today, you just go, man, that's me. My marriage, my situation, we're estranged or we're living together and we're together, but we're just not together. My family's a wreck. I need God to transform my family, my marriage. Come on, all over the room, just bow your head, close your eyes. Come on, just give everyone for like the next 45 seconds just the right to privacy. If you just say, while your head's bowed, your eyes closed, you know, Gary, that's me. God's talking to me. I, I want to believe God again, that God had transformed my family. We're, we're, it looks like a valley of trouble. But you're telling me that God could do this for Jose and his situation and bring a door of hope. I'm going to trust again. Come on, all over the room, you just say, that's me. Just, just, no one's looking, it's just me. Just come on, lift up your hand and say, that's me. Work in my family. Come on, work in my family. I've got kids that aren't serving you. I've got spouse that's running around or just not, we're just not together all over the room. Awesome. Father, every hand you see, every heart you hear, the word is taking root in our hearts. It's seed, the miracle of the word. And it's going to produce fruit 30, 60, 100 fold. It's finding its way in our heart. Faith is rising. Trust is rising. Confidence and hope. Father, the love of God is being moving in our heart in a new way. Father, we, we, we call marriages to be restored, kids to come home, to serve you, Lord God, a change and a turn to happen in children's hearts, that they be restored back to their parents and parents back to their kids. Father, we pray that the worldliness and the struggles of the world and the pain and the drawing of that would be cut off and minimized in their life. That, Father, we realize from the scripture that we read today that Hosea bought Gomer back. He paid a price. And the price 
for our redemption has been paid for by the blood of Jesus. So, Father, I thank you as we're praying and we're thinking about our spouses and our family and the dynamic of relationships. Father, we ask you to see them through the blood of Jesus. That you have pity, you have mercy. And, Father, we ask you to help us with this miracle of a restored family that we would be a sign and a wonder in the world that God could actually work in us and through us again, even though the pain we're feeling and enduring right now. Do it for your glory. Do it for your name. In Jesus' name. Come on, say amen. Say amen, amen. Yeah. Come on. Come on, let's just all raise a hand and thank God that he's working in our families. Come on, whether you raised your hand before or not. Come on, I want him working in my life. I don't want him working in my family. Come on, all over the room. Thank you, Lord. No matter where they're at, they're coming back. <laughs> no matter where they're at, a turn is happening right now, a transformation. We trust you and thank you in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, say amen one more time, one more time. Yeah. Come on. Just by the way, God hears us when we pray. So we're just not talking. Jesus says, when you pray, we pray to the Father who sees in secret and he will reward you openly. Wow. He's seeing everything. He's here with us. He says, when the church gathers all across Chula Vista, San Diego, the world, when the church gathers, he's right there with us. He sense his presence. That God, you're, man, the heaviness lifts and I know you're working. I don't see anything. You might go home today. Listen to me. The football game's going to be on, and your husband could be as mean as a snake. Well, just go ahead and bring him a, bring him a, a Coke or something. Go, go bring him a taco. He'll, ha he'll get happy right away. Just share the love of God. Let's let the love of God work. Let's see God work in our families. Amen. One last thing, definitely not the least important thing, the most important thing. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, we're so glad that you're here listening online as well. The only way, I say that sincerely, the only way that you see God working in your life, the only way is by surrendering your life to his Lordship. Will you just give up? your own will, give up your own way. It doesn't mean he's going to all of a sudden take you from working wherever you're going to work and say, I'm going to send you to Tibet. Uh, um, he might, but I don't, probably not. But he wants you to give up the lordship of your life that now you're not your own Lord. I recognize you. I need you. I want you in my life, in my family. I want you to work through me. I want to be a blessing to other people. It does as we surrender our life to him. So if you're in the room online, you've never done that, we want to give everybody the opportunity to do that today. And that begins with a prayer. Your life changes by the prayers you pray. Over and over in the scripture, we find anybody that prayed, God heard. 
God heard. So you might think, oh gosh, you know, you don't know what I've done as people have told me. If I come to church, uh, lightning is going to strike, burn up the building. Come on. God hears you when you pray. Anybody that turns instantly, God hears. So today, if you don't know Jesus in the room or online, and you want us to pray with you, we're all going to say a prayer out loud. We're going to ask him to be Lord. Say, I'm surrendering. He's going to come into your life, and he's going to start directing your life into the way that he wants. You're going to start hearing him. I encourage you to read the Bible, start in the book of John. Read John chapter 1. Just keep reading. 21 chapters, three weeks. You could do it, one chapter a day. Start building a habit of reading the Word of God, allowing God to talk to you through the Word of God. The way you hear his voice is you listen to the Word, the Bible. And your ear, the ear of your heart gets fine-tuned. That's God talking to me. That's him talking to me. If you don't know him, let us pray for you this morning all over the room. Let's pray this prayer out loud. You that mean it right now, you say, I need, it. I need this right now. You just mean it in your heart. Mix faith with what we're praying all across the room. Come on, let's pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you right now in Jesus' name. I'm a sinner in need of a Savior.